Welcome to Bounce Back Stronger, the podcast that explores ways to find peace and purpose no matter what happens. And today, we're in for a treat with an incredibly inspiring guest. This remarkable woman has not only faced the twists and turns of life head on, but has also become a beacon of empowerment through her writing. Her words aren't just stories, they're a bridge connecting women from all walks of life, creating a community where humor, honesty, and vulnerability reign supreme. In a world where being seen and heard is not always guaranteed, she has crafted a space where women feel understood and acknowledged. But Crystal Jackson is not just a writer. She's a former therapist who brings a unique perspective to the intersection of mental health, relationships, and personal development. Her words have graced the pages of renowned platforms such as Medium, Thought Catalog, Elite Daily, Your Tango, and Elephant Journal, as well as the pages of her Heart of Madison contemporary romance series. When she's not crafting captivating stories, you might find Crystal deep in a yoga pose, tending to her garden, conquering the waters on a paddleboard, or axe throwing. Her enthusiasm is not just limited to axes, it spills over into every aspect of her life. And I have to say, I've been a follower of your writing, Crystal, since the early days of my divorce in 2015, and I'm so thrilled to have you here. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so thrilled to be here. Oh, thank you. She has her um, her black cat on her lap. What's her there, name? This is uh, Midnight Mayhem, and then right beside <laughs> his brother, Chaos. <laughs> I love it. Uh, and there's a dog in the back too. Yes, yeah, that's <laughs> Sully. That he he uh, he has to be anywhere where I'm petting the cats. He gets very jealous because he was uh, my he was my original fur baby. <laughs> So that's the way it goes. You have to give a little to everybody. Oh, well, thank you so much for being here. I want to start off with understanding your transition from being a therapist to going into writing, which we've all benefited from, but it would be great to hear how that occurred. Yeah, absolutely. I can remember as, as far back as I can think that I was a writer. I just was. It was something that I always did, even as a child. I, you know, I'd write bad poetry or an article in our school newspaper or plays. You know, I had all of these things that I was so interested in, but I had the resounding message from both peers and adults that it was not a practical career. So I thought about what I was interested in and what I liked. And I really liked helping people. And I liked learning about human behavior, you know, why people do the things they do um, and how we impact each other. And so I ended up going to school to become a mental health therapist. And I got my undergraduate in psychology and I went to grad school and got my master's and got licensed. I practiced for a year working in addiction. I worked with families and children. I worked with individuals and I wasn't happy. I still was interested in psychology and I still liked helping people. It was not a good fit for me as a career. So I went through my divorce and I had this opportunity to start writing for a journal that I was a reader of. And I started writing about the experience of going through a divorce and suddenly becoming a single mother. I found a whole platform of people who wanted to hear what I had to say. So not only was I reconnecting with my writing, something I had given up for the majority of my marriage, but I was also like connecting with all these people who were saying like, I needed to read this. This is helping me through my experience. And it just kind of snowballed from there. You know, I started writing and then I couldn't stop. 
And it ended up taking on this whole life of its own from being like this little side hobby to this full-time job where that's what I do now is I write. And it's natural that I not only draw on my personal life experience, but also draw on everything I learned as a therapist. And all of that experience and education hasn't gone to waste because it's gone into talking about relationships and personal development. It's gone into talking about mental health and chronic illness and really drawing on those things to help other people out there whose goal is to be a healthy person or be in healthy relationships uh, really delve into those things and, and find themselves in it. Well, I certainly have done that in your writing. I think I started following you in 2015 when I was going through my divorce and you were saying a lot of the things that I really felt at the time. And I think in some ways you writing about it helped me to say, hey, I could do some of that too. (laughs) And it was really, really helpful to do it. Well, I really appreciate that because it's hard. Like going through a divorce is one of those things that you don't realize how isolating and how isolating it is as an experience, but how judged you are as a woman going through it. How many people told me that I had just quit? Like people just quit their relationships now. Everyone just gives up. People don't try. And knowing how much time and effort and tears that I had put into trying to make a relationship work and doing it alone without the help of a partner. I faced so much judgment from that until I realized, like, I can't save this relationship, but I can save myself. And emerging from that very difficult experience to be judged for it and to be told that I didn't do enough was really hard. So I really found that after years of silence in my marriage, I had a lot to say coming out of it. And I think it's helpful to address the fact that there is a lot of judgment, particularly for women, particularly for single moms. And I found this whole audience of other people who were going through the same thing. And I think it helped to speak up and say that. I think there's actually one of those copy and paste things on Facebook where people will drop that into their thing where, you know, people quit marriages too early. And and I, I remember one point that got dropped and I saw it. I had to respond like you. I worked in my relationship. I was going to therapy. I was trying to make things work. But there's a point where you have to decide to choose yourself. And obviously, I mean, I had fault in it too, but I think I got a a lot of judgment. I totally understand where you're coming from because people will say, you know, you're not good at relationships because you got divorced. I'm really good at relationships. I was in a relationship for 23 years and I wasn't happy. Longevity gets looked at as, as the pinnacle of relationships, but it's not anything to congratulate anyone for staying in a bad marriage for 50 years. Frankly, like that's not an accomplishment to stay unhappy in the primary relationship in your life for a long time. But longevity is something that's looked at as like a milestone, a a point of success, like a status symbol. And I just didn't want my kids to see that. I wanted them to choose healthy relationships. I want them to see that the relationship being healthy is more important than how long it lasts. Because frankly, I was married for almost a dozen years and a lot of them were not healthy years. And that's time in my life that I'll never get back. So looking at that, I just wanted to set a better example for my kids. I wanted them to learn that sometimes you're going to commit to things and then realize you made a mistake and you shouldn't be ashamed or afraid to change course when you're not on the right path. And so I tried to model that as a parent 
But I also came to this realization that this is this one life that I have to live. Am I going to live it staying in a relationship that is just draining the life out of me and is not a healthy situation for me to be in? Or am I going to take the chance on something new? But I just really hate that we center how long a relationship lasts as being the marker of success rather than asking ourselves, like, are those relationships healthy? Are we fulfilled in them? Do they add to the happiness in our lives? Yeah, I mean, I think you could assign that to a lot of different anniversaries, right? <laughs> you could look at yes. it for marriage, work. There's a lot of things where are we stable and happy or are we just stuck? It's an interesting article to write. Is really being in something that long a, something we should be celebrating? Well, even changing careers was hard. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. Admitting the fact that I had gotten a master's degree in something that I no longer wanted to do for a living, even though I use it in my writing, making that decision was so challenging. And there was judgment for that, too. But I knew it wasn't the right fit. And it became more important to figure out the right fit than to try to make the wrong fit work. And it really propelled me out of that. So by the time I went through my divorce, I'd already had a career change I never expected. I'd already had to like adjust my mind to having that in my life. So when my marriage completely fell apart, I'd had a little bit of practice, not in the same area, but I'd already had to live through something I'd never expected and never wanted. And so I knew that I could do it, that it would be hard, but that I could do it. And it really frankly surprised the hell out of me that how happy I was on the other side of that. I was probably the happiest divorce person you ever did see because I felt so free and I started to come back to myself. But yeah, I was probably unnecessarily cheerful to my ex's annoyance (laughs) during the process because for the first time, I wasn't having to decide if I was going to stay or go. I just had this life ahead of me to look at and to focus on and to build for my kids. It was great. Both my ex and I were happier. I think that was the thing. I think we may have had that realization at slightly different times, but we both looked back on it and was like, okay, we were way happier out of it. Through the things that I've gone through afterwards, I think all of these are gifts and and ways to kind of learn a little bit more about ourselves, uh, all these difficulties that we go through. Not that we wish them on ourselves or on anyone, but, but they definitely are learning experiences. Well, we either learn from it or we keep repeating those experiences. And I decided <laughs> I wanted new ones. So At Pema Chodron, life keeps presenting the thing until you learn the lesson or whatever. She says it so much better, but true. that one always hurts me like to my soul because it's true. How do you decide what to put into your writing and what is off limit? I think that's an interesting line for writers to have to, to deal with. Yeah, we definitely have to walk that line. It's precarious. You don't want to betray someone's trust. You don't want to disclose too much information. Like if you have any respect for any of the people that you've ever partnered, you don't want to overshare. So my line has always been that I focus on myself and my responsibility and accountability within relationships, what I learned, my emotional experience going through it. So I don't center it on the other person. Because I don't look at relationships as, for the most part, there are betrayals. There are things like that, that where you can have some blame. But sometimes relationships don't work out and it's because you're incompatible or because the timing was wrong or there are so many other reasons. I would rather look at it and learn from it. And there are so many lessons in it that I feel are really valuable to share 
and that can be shared without betraying someone else. Like I was so triggered within a healthy relationship because I, number one, had never had one, but also like unhealthy relationships. I mean, I was used to that dynamic. I grew up in dysfunction. I knew how to navigate unhealthy situations very well. I didn't know how to navigate a healthy situation. And so I would have all kinds of trauma triggers, so much anxiety come up. And I would write about that, even though it was awkward, even though it was a little uncomfortable saying, I'm really bad at this. I'm trying to be better in relationships. I'm a very loving partner, but I'm not a perfect partner. Here are the things I'm trying to learn so I can be a better person and a better partner. It's hard to write about relationships in real time. It's hard to write about them when you're in them. It's equally hard to write about them when they're over because you want to be respectful to that relationship. You don't want to put anyone else in the spotlight. But it's also really important to share these very universal things that we go through and do it in a way that, for me, prioritizes like my experience of it and what I brought out of it more than focusing on all the things the other person did wrong. Frankly, I find it much more useful to look at all the things I could have done better. That I can do something about. I can't do anything about anyone else's journey and I can't tell their story. I wouldn't even know how to start doing that. So I try to just tell mine. But you're right. It's, it's a terribly hard line to, to walk. It's fragile. Yeah, it is. I think it's so healthy. You're really talking about not blaming the other person, really. That's a step up, right, from, from a lot of what happens in post-relationship writing and post-relationship conversations. Because you know, you're right. You can't change the other person Part of the reason things may not work out is because you were, thought you could do that or that you thought they could help you in some way. But the reality is, it's, it's really our own journey that we're kind of dealing with here. So that's a pretty good way of looking at writing about it, I think. Well, and I think sometimes it works for a while and maybe it's meant to be for a little while. Not every relationship is going to go the distance. You know, people change. Life happens to us and we have to navigate that. And frankly, I put a lot of unfair pressure on my last relationship because I didn't have a strong enough local support system. So i made that person the majority of my support system. That's a lot of pressure to put on a relationship. I was going through an undiagnosed at the time chronic illness where I was having all of these really crazy symptoms and really struggling with anxiety and depression. And, you know, that put a lot of pressure on this person that I was making my support system. So those are things that I learned from and since coming out of that, I have built strong friendships and this really full life. We make so much room for our relationships and we put ourselves aside. But then we also put so much pressure on the other person to meet our needs, even the ones we could be meeting ourselves. I look back at that and I'm like, there's not really blame if you take a look at it from a place of accountability. There are things that I could have done better. There are things past partners could have done better. But I think the reality of it is, is just seeing that big picture and saying, well, what am I going to learn from that going forward? Because I would really like to not repeat every, <laughs> every lesson that I've ever needed to learn. Like I would like to go ahead and uh, absorb those now so I don't have to go through some of those tough experiences again. Not again. Not again, Pema. Let's not do it again. <laughs> no, no. There are some. There are some. I'm like, I had to learn hard financial lessons. I've been in the unrequited relationships. I'm like, okay. I'm like, let's check those boxes so they don't repeat. That'd be great. But I think we know there's some things that will come back. Like for me, there are certain types of people that I'm always going to be attracted to. 
I think of it more in a work standpoint. There's certain types of personalities and then I'm going to, you know, go, why are they bothering me so much? Why am I triggered so much? And then I go, oh, wait, they're exactly like my mother. Okay. They're always going to happen. You're going to have this stuff that happens. It's kind of getting the time between your trance and your awareness that it's happening, kind of get to get shorter and shorter, right? I think that's the goal. And I think a lot of, you're doing yoga now. I think a lot of my yoga journey has helped me identify those much quicker, like rinsing it out, rinsing the energy out a little bit and starting to be able to witness my feelings a little bit more has been really helpful to me seeing that. How, how has that been for you? Well, I'm learning to sit with it. Because that sometimes yoga can be uncomfortable. Like you're sitting in on the emotional end, just sitting with things and yeah. not necessarily doing anything about it. I mean, I've always been a doer. I've always been like, let's solve this problem. So yoga was a great way for me to reconnect with my body as I was going through this whole chronic illness situation. But it was also a way for me to sit with my feelings in real time and be able to experience them, not just think them through. If you know what I mean, like it's not just an intellectual approach to my feelings, it's actually feeling them, which is something, you know, I'd compartmentalize so much of my life that I hadn't been really feeling the things, you know, until it all became overwhelming and came out all at once. So yoga was huge for that to just sit there and say, well, this is how I feel. And it's okay that I feel that way. You know, that's not going to be permanent. These feelings will pass if I let them, but I have to sit through them. Yeah. And noticing where they show up in your body too. That was really helpful for me to kind of, oh, I'm sitting here. Oh, I'm having this thing with my shoulder. Wait a minute. That's around my heart. What's going on with my heart? You know, I didn't have the language to do that when I started yoga training. But over time between that and the Reiki stuff, I, I really learned that. And it's been really helpful because so much of this stuff just shows up in our body and we don't even know it. So I found that really helpful. It was interesting to me to, from the side watching you go through it. I'm so glad you did. It sounds like it's been a great journey for you. And if I had stayed in that last relationship, I would not have gone on the yoga journey because it was every other weekend where I didn't have my kids because they were at their dad's house. Time I would have earmarked for the relationship for mm -hmm. several months out of the year. So when I had the opportunity to take that class, like all of a sudden I was single. Those weekends weren't set aside for that person anymore. So I signed up for that class. I never would have gone on that journey or met the people that I did or experienced what I did. If I had been in a relationship, I would have been like, those are the weekends without my kids. Those are the weekends I'll spend with someone. Those are the weekends I'll be dating. And instead, I chose this thing specifically for myself. It was something that I did just for me. And it just really goes to show when you come out of things like that and you're single, you can really build this really strong, wonderful life if you just choose to do it. But I think about that. Like, I wouldn't have gone on that yoga journey at all. And I'm so grateful that I did. Mm -hmm. I had a very similar experience. And I really wanted to do the yoga therapy training, which is a three-year thing. And it was so freeing, like you said, to be able to say, I do not have to answer to anyone. I can go ahead and do this. And it was one of the best things I ever did in my life. So, and I did it for me. Like, sounds like this was for you as well. And, and I don't necessarily blame him for that. I think that's also me too. Why can't I stand up and say, I want this and I want to, I'm going to do this. I think that's going to be the lesson I have to continue to learn, too, is going into relationships of how to keep my interests and my time with friends and all of that protected from the relationship where I don't let the relationship become everything, where you get that stage of infatuation where you just want to be around them all the time. It's still carving out space for ourselves. 
for time alone, uh, for time with friends, for time just with hobbies that maybe don't interest them. Even, it's so silly, but even television shows that you like and they don't, like how easy you can push yourself aside so that you have more time with that person, even if you're not enjoying something that you like. So I think that's something I'm going to have to continue to do. But I think we're, we're socialized as women to give up so much of ourselves and to center the other person in our narratives. And it's been really almost an unlearning of that and saying, it's great if you can have a healthy relationship, as long as that healthy relationship makes room for you and that you declare that room for yourself and say, like, I, I still need these other aspects of my life. I still need to have all these fulfilling things as a part of this journey, whether or not you're with someone, but I've definitely experienced that so many times. Yeah. And you've talked a lot about how much you're enjoying being single and how that has been a revelation to you. Maybe take this a little further and talk a little bit about that journey. There is a study that shows that women are happier single and men are happier married. And that's sure for heterosexual relationships. But if you think about that, men are happier married, but women aren't. And it's a very inequitable dynamic. Women have so much invisible labor we do in relationships, particularly if you're sharing space with someone. Um, it's extremely common, even in you know pretty happy relationships. I hear women complain about carrying more of the load, being the one to make all the doctor's appointments or go to all the school meetings or taking care of things around the house. There are so many ways in which women have more of a burden being married. And yet so many of us want to do that on purpose. Like we're looking for that as a, as a goal in our lives. And I got to the point where I started asking myself, do I really want to get married again? Or do I think that I should get married again? Is that the expectation for me being a divorced single mom to give my kids a dad or, you know, they have a dad that's involved in their life, but to give them a stepdad, to give them a sense of a nuclear family in the home? Or do I want it for myself? And I started really just in seeing all the benefits of my life. Like when I was in a relationship, I didn't buy the house that I wanted when the market was good. But when I came out of that relationship, it was I was ready. I was ready to, to buy a house and have a house for my kids. I started gardening more. Now I'm getting about to get chickens. I don't know why. <laughs> no one knows why. We're all surprised at this turn. <laughs> it's allowed so much more abundance in my life and change and whimsy. Chickens are just pure whimsy right now. <laughs> I wanted egg laying chickens and there's no rationale for how I arrived at that conclusion. But I think it goes back. <laughs> all this gardening I'm doing and how self-sufficient I've become. And they're just cute. And I love animals. So <laughs> Do but you? it's just a huge open journey and I'm not unhappy with it. Like I've been lonelier in relationships where I wasn't getting my needs met or I didn't feel loved in return. I was more lonely. I was lonelier in those relationships than I'm ever lonely by myself. And if we're going to be lonely, we should be by ourselves. You know, we shouldn't be lonely <laughs> with someone is the worst feeling. And so occasional moments of loneliness don't really bother me because I know I'm not settling for something that's going to make me feel worse in the long run. So that's kind of how I've arrived at that. I just really like being single. I've developed all these different interests and hobbies that I wouldn't have done otherwise. There's so much that I've done because I'm single, because I don't have that time that I'm investing in a relationship. I'm investing so much, not just in myself, but in my friendships. My friendships are so strong and powerful and wonderful and authentic. And 
just this beautiful circle of support. And I've made so many friends from it, from just pursuing my own thing and being interested in my own life. And when I look at that, I don't think that's sad. I don't look at being single as being this sad thing. It's actually really nice. I've just gotten very, very comfortable in it. And it's, I think it's beautiful. I think if a relationship comes into my life, it needs to add value to it. That's kind of where I have been on my single person journey is I really like it and I don't feel sad about it. And I I don't think it's a consolation prize for not being in a relationship or not remarrying. It's just really nice. That's awesome. I totally agree with you. There was a period in between my relationships where I was single and I totally resonate with that. You know, being able to learn to make your own decisions for yourself and not look for approval and not holding yourself back. Experiencing that for a period of time helps you do that uh, ongoing as you have relationships. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like it's setting a better example for my kids. I'm showing them that it doesn't matter if they're in a relationship or not. They can build really strong, really healthy, happy lives. And it doesn't matter what the relationship status is. Because, I mean, really, we spend our whole lives with ourselves, birth to death. We're the only person going to take that entire journey with us. So we really need to like who we are. And we need to like the people that we spend our time around. And we need to make a life that's worthwhile and I would much rather do that on my own than be in a lackluster relationship just to say that I'm in one. So it's to check a box. And it keeps me open. It keeps me open to a healthy relationship without focusing my time and energy on it. Yeah, I think it's incredibly healthy. So if folks want to follow you, how would they do that? We didn't talk about your fiction writing, but you do have three books in the Heart of Madison series that they four books. Four books? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. I missed the fourth. Yeah, there's there's four now that um, have come out in it. Oh, there was a lot of pandemic things happening with the last <laughs> that came out, felt like they came out on top of each other because of that. Uh, but there's four books in the Heart of Madison series. It's contemporary small town romance that kind of revolves around the same cast of characters. So if you really enjoy them, there's more. And I blame this on the pandemic, but I also put out some self-published volumes of poetry because I was left unattended, unsupervised for an extended period of time. (laughs) They really are awesome. I I had these books of, I had all these poetry written and I'm like, well, maybe I should do something with that since, you know, my kids are home from school and I can't finish working on the project I was working on before everything shut down. So yes, I was left unsupervised and now there's poetry out there too. (laughs) It's, It's been fun. For the most part, my new work is on Medium. Uh, your tango has a few uh, new pieces coming out. But for the most part, I'm on medium, just relationships and personal growth and probably chickens soon. I'm sorry. (laughs) And gardening and being more self-sufficient or personal finance. I can go into a lot of areas, but I keep it from like being a healthy person, having healthy relationships, living a a healthy life. It's kind of my kind of my thing now. So it's exciting. It is exciting. And I'll have all those links in the show notes for all of you who want to follow. And you're on Facebook too, Facebook and Instagram. Yes. People follow me on Facebook for my memes. They come there for the memes. They are really good. Hey, <laughs> it's, it's a fun community. If you, There's more interaction on Facebook than Instagram, but it's just super fun people that follow it. And we all have the same hilarious sense of humor. So it's great. So Thank you so, so much for being on the show and for sharing yourself with the listeners. I I think they're all going to really enjoy this so much. So thank you. Well, I loved it. So thank you so much. 
That's all for today. If you want to learn more about Crystal, her books and writing, those links will be in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening. I hope this episode was helpful. And if it was, please subscribe, drop a review or share it with your friends and family. That's the best way to get it in the hands of those who may benefit. And if my daughters, Sienna and Sylvia are listening, I just want you to know how proud I am of you. And I love you so much. Bye now.